Hello, and welcome to the Noble Wealth Partners podcast. Noble Wealth Partners is a registered investment advisor created to help individuals and families get more out of their relationship with their financial advisor, from investment management to comprehensive financial planning. And without further ado, here's episode one of the Noble Wealth Partners podcast. This week, Grant Glenn and Jeff Brainerd recap the volatility in the market at the end of 2018 and discuss the sell-off in tech stock names, including Apple. Hope you enjoy. Hey, Grant. Um, glad to have you back here as we uh, kind of dive into some of the topics of the new year. Um, I think we'd be crazy if we didn't touch on volatility. Um, in, in case any of you haven't noticed, the stock market has had quite a little wild ride uh, for through the fourth quarter and, and heading into the beginning of this year. Um, that follows up a 2017, and we've mentioned this before in a podcast, that was an incredibly benign year from an investment perspective. Um, and actually, if you look at 2017, it was the first time since 1990 where the stock market was up every month of the year. Um, that doesn't happen a whole lot. Uh, you know, I mean, I, I think we're, we're, we're probably in a world where people aren't used to seeing this kind of volatility, but this is a little bit more normal than what we saw in 2017, don't you think, Grant? I completely agree. Uh, in fact, uh, 2018 started out with the continued strength from 2017, the S&P 500 actually started out by rallying about 7%. Uh, the fundamentals were there, the economic data was there. Uh, in fact, 81% of the companies inside the S&P 500 beat revenue expectations. Uh, that was actually the best uh, beat rate since 2008. Yeah, I mean, I think what we, we got really used to over the this 10-year bull market run that we've seen, and, and it depends on when you want to start measuring it, but we saw companies really continuously beating their earnings expectations um, year over year and really growing um, at a pretty impressive rate. Um, but that kind of, that party kind of came to a close at the end of January, and, and that's when we saw the first of what was probably the bigger warning signs for the year when the, the S&P 500 saw its first 10% correction. Um, uh, for the year and, and kind of led us into probably foreshadowing of what was going to happen yeah. the remainder of the year. Yeah, surprisingly, even with that 10% uh, drop that uh, began on the 26th of uh, January, the first quarter ended positive. Uh, in fact, uh, the second quarter and the third quarter uh, ended positive. However, the fourth quarter ended in the negative. Uh, that uh, that development um so three quarters going up and then one quarter going down that was the first time that happened since 19 or 1978 <laughs> it's I, I mean it's remarkable like the, the stats that we could pull from last year the first time since whatever you want to say there was a, a lot of things that we haven't seen in, in quite some time um the the market peaked september 21st and we started to see again a, a correction happening through October through November, but that led us into again a worst since moment when we had the worst December since 1931. Um, I think everybody was was pretty attuned to what was going on in the market for the last month of the year, um, but it got really ugly. And we uh, we actually never got into bear market ter territory in U.S. stocks, whether you're looking at the Dow or the S&P 500. But what we did see is investor sentiment really starting to get nervous. Um, and one of the best ways that, that both Grant and I like to look at that is outflows from mutual funds. So 70, $75.5 billion exited uh, the equity mutual fund space in the, um, 
in December uh, of last year. Yeah, that was a pretty staggering development in the equity markets. Another thing that I like to point out to clients is that the price to earnings multiple or what investors are willing to pay for a dollar of earnings, that actually contracted about three times from about 18 times forward earnings to about 15 times forward earnings. That multiple uh, contraction, again, price to earnings, multiple contraction, that was the third highest contraction in the past 40 years. Uh, why that's happening, there's many uh, indicators uh, as far as uh, why investors are starting to become more bearish about the equity market. One of them is uh, sentiment. You're starting to see um, how investors are feeling about the market begin to de uh, deteriorate. Um, however, they have reason to, to feel that way. Uh, if we look at the underlying breadth of the market, uh, how strong it is as a whole, um, we see things like 80% of new initial public offerings coming out with negative earnings. So they're coming to the public markets without proving that they can actually earn anything for the investors. And uh, stock market participants are more than willing to, to buy those public uh, shares. In addition, if we look at the breadth and how many companies are um, making up the overall returns of the stock market, we see uh, a, a tech bubble-like scenario where you're seeing a lot of the, the FANG names, the, the Facebook, the Apple, Alphabet, Amazon, Google, Microsoft, making up about 17% of the overall market capitalization. Uh, in 2000, uh, which was the peak, uh, we also saw Microsoft, Intel, Lucent, Cisco, Oracle, and Dell make up 17% of the market cap. That's a pretty fun little throwback um, with those names, uh, hearing Cisco and Oracle and yeah, Dell. Yeah, kind of forget about them, huh? Yeah, no, I, I like to, to do that little rewind to the first part of my career whenever we were looking at those stocks as being unbeatable for a certain amount of time. Um, you know, Grant, there's, a, there's an old saying in, in the world of high prices and, and the cure for high prices being higher prices. Uh, so one of the things that we've talked about with stock market valuations has been where do we go from here and are things getting too expensive? That's the nice part about having a pullback. So what do you think now as we look at what you mentioned with the um, price to earnings multiple being contracted a bit in the fourth quarter? Are we setting ourselves up for potentially better returns going forward by having this type of a pullback and, and discount in the pricing structure of the market? I think that's interesting to think about because when the market pulls back like it did uh, or, or it has over the past few months, our tendency is to overreact and to be overly pessimistic and not want to buy into a pullback like this. However, if you had no idea how the market's been performing over the past few months and I asked you if you would rather buy a market that was trading at a price to earnings multiple of 18 times or would you rather buy a market that's trading at 15 times? Almost everyone would rather buy into a market that's trading at only 15 times. No question. And I think that's a really interesting development. The, the market trading, depending on um, the source you get it from, everyone has their own way of deriving forward S&P 500 earnings. 
because you can't just pull those numbers from a, a Bloomberg terminal. So there is some element of uh, subjectivity. However, going from about 18 times forward earnings to about 15 times forward earnings, according to uh, JP Morgan on the 24th of December, about 13.6 times forward earnings. And this huge uh, drop in valuations, uh, I think it presents uh, some possible areas of opportunity as we look forward to 2019. It doesn't matter what has happened, uh, you know, that's water under the bridge at this point. So I guess, Jeff, what do you think, given that we've seen this uh, sell-off? Yeah, I mean, I, I, you can't get too granular, but I, I do think, you know, Grant, working from those numbers of going from a peak of 18.5 forward PE to, to the 13.6 that you mentioned, it's a big enough gap that we can say that's about a 20% drop in, in the valuations. And, and if we look at that and we ask our clients, you know, we tell them what happened in 2018, they don't really care. They want to know what do you think is going to happen in 2019. So the best we can do is we can say the last time that this happened, what happened next? Um, so going back to the 1920s, there have been 20 such periods where the P.E. ratio has seen a 20% or larger pullback in valuation. And when that happens, 15 out of the 20 times, we actually see a, a relatively large and robust return in the marketplace. So that does mean five times the market kept going down. Um, the last time that happened was in November of 2000. But on average, in those other 15 time periods when the market goes up, you, you look to see about a 12% return. Um, I think we'd all kill for 12% in 2019, don't you think? That's uh, a terrific statistic, so thanks for sharing that. Um, yeah, all, all great points, Jeff. Uh, I did just look up the uh, valuation where we stand uh, as far as how the current price to earnings multiple compares with other historical values. Earlier in this podcast, I quoted 35%. It looks like it was 32% around the middle of uh, yeah. December. Close enough. But close enough, yes, yeah. <laughs> definitely is. Uh, but uh, I think during the sell-off, what's been the most interesting is the sector technology that has led much of this uh, bull market uh, in growthy type names. That Those names have seen the most uh, drastic sell-off uh, in fact, you know, those price-to-earnings multiples, I, it sounds like we're quoting price-to-earnings multiples quite a bit in this uh, podcast. Yeah. However, they're trading at just about 1.1x the broad market. Uh, that is the lowest out of any other post-1950 expansion since 1990, where they were trading at about just barely over 1x uh, the broad S&P. Uh, for comparison purposes, in uh, December of 69, tech valuations were about 2.5, 2.6x uh, the broad S&P, and in March of 2000, it was about 2.4x. So right now we're at a very, uh, or a relatively uh, attractive entry point for the technology sector. Yeah, so I mean, let's bottom line that for, for clients here, right? We're, we're talking about one of the greatest bull markets that we've seen as far as longevity uh, since the end of the great financial crisis, essentially led by technology names, all the big ones that we know, Facebook, Apple, Amazon, Netflix, Google, um, the FANG stocks, right? So those stocks have led our huge rally in this last bull market, and yet we look at what they are priced relative to the stock market as a whole, and they're about the same. 
I mean, it's pretty remarkable. And I, and I think the reason is, is, is you look at everybody's favorite fruit company, our, our friends over at Apple have, have, have experienced some pretty bad news here just in the, in the last week or so, and they're down 40% uh, from, from the peak, the, the price at Apple. And, and Grant and I were looking at some of the valuations um, on, on the Apple stock. I mean, it looks just downright cheap compared to other technology names. <laughs> yeah, I, I think it's, uh, it's definitely relevant to have a discussion about Apple and what's uh, happened over the past three months. Uh, in fact, Apple stock is, a, is down about 40% from the peak a few months ago. Uh, Apple was the largest uh, company in the US by yep. market capitalization. And after yesterday's sell-off, it was down to about the fourth largest. Now it's back to the second largest since the stock's up about 5% or so today, uh, trailing only Amazon, or sorry, trailing only uh, Microsoft uh, today. Yeah. Uh, Microsoft is about 775 billion, where Apple's at about 750 billion. But anyway, it's really interesting to see Apple lose that market leadership. Yeah, you know, I mean, I think if we, it's so hard with a huge company that's essentially worth a trillion dollars that has more U.S. treasuries on its books. So again, folks, what that means is they have about $60 billion in cash, um, which is more than, than some countries do, sovereign nations do. <laughs> um, but you think about like what they essentially do is they sell us iPhones and MacBooks and watches and that, all those, those goods that we all have sitting in our pockets and on our wrists. Um, but at the end of the day, essentially what they said is they're going to make about $5 billion less dollars. Um, so they're not going to make between 89 and $93 billion. They're expecting now to make about $84 billion for the quarter. So keep that in, in comparison when you think about Apple being down 40%. It's not like they're going out of business tomorrow. Uh, no, that, that's a great point. And if you look at uh, Apple's uh, debt compared to other technology names, uh, you know they're actually doing quite well, uh, especially uh, compared to some of those technology names that we were referencing earlier that aren't making any money. Yep. <laughs> so, you know, we, we don't really have any doubt as far as Apple's ability to uh, service uh, their debt. Um, if you take a look at Apple's uh, current assets as far as any um, assets that they have on their balance sheet that they can use to meet any uh, debt obligations, that number is $131 billion. So they have a significant amount uh, in cash, treasuries, like Jeff was saying, and other short-term assets. It's, I mean, it's amazing. And so, you know, don't misconstrue that we're saying go out and sell everything that you own and buy Apple tomorrow. Um, but I think as sort of just a, an overall proxy for what we think is going on in, in the marketplace right now, we start to feel like the valuations are looking a bit more attractive Apple is a great sort of leader in the clubhouse on that and could potentially lead to, to a, a pretty positive year in 2019. That being said, there's a lot of other things um, that could get in the way of that happening. So if I'm understanding you correctly, does it, it sounds like you uh, are fairly um, bullish on Apple. I, I hope I'm not putting words in your mouth. No, I think, I, I, I think the rest of the marketplace is probably discounting how good of a company Apple is, but I think that could lead to a bullish outcome. Do you think yeah. the 40% uh, you know, sell-off over the past three months and the 8 to 9% sell-off yesterday was justified? See, that's what's so funny, right? You, you, you talk about the stock market um, 
Apple is the same company, minus maybe thinking they're going to sell a few less iPhones in China this year than they than they originally thought. Um, they're basically the same company that they were last summer, and now all of a sudden the marketplace thinks it's worth forty percent less than what it was worth last summer. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not saying that the market's always uh, irrational like that, but I, I think that we may have gone a little too far in the other direction. Don't mm-hmm. you think? Well, if you think about the sell-off, right, uh, let's just take yesterday, um, uh, for example, where two days ago, um, Tim Cook, the uh, CEO of Apple, came out and said that China's slowing growth is impacting unit sales of the iPhone. However, this was not news. The market uh, reacted by selling off the stock uh, roughly 9%. However, We've known that China has been slowing for the better part of this expansion, uh, and especially uh, more recently. Uh, And then in addition, we knew that unit sales of the iPhone were going down, which is the reason why Apple stopped reporting iPhone sales, or the number of units being sold. So none of this was new news. So I don't understand how the market could take that news and then sell off the stock 8 to 9%. Right, I mean, and that's the, the thing with, with Mr. Market, as, as Warren Buffett likes to refer uh, to our stock market as. Um, sometimes you can be right, and, and the rest of the world thinks that you're wrong, and it doesn't matter if you're right. So, you know, who knows what, what happens next, but I, I think it's, it's safe to say that Apple is looking pretty attractive. And, and, you know, that brings up another point is, okay, so if you take a look at Apple's uh, fundamentals, you know, what are they trading at as far as a multiple of their, their revenues, especially since uh, um, in that, that recent interview with Tim Cook, he mentioned um, revenue expectations slightly, uh, what was it, the, the upper um, 80 billion, so I think like 88 billion, right around there. Yeah, their range was between 89 and 93 billion, and he basically adjusted that down to saying they're expecting about 84 billion. Got it. Got it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Instead of the, I think 92 that the the broad market had anticipated. Yeah. Um, however, they're trading at a price to sales ratio of about 4.2 x, where if you take a look at some of uh, Apple's competitors, let's just take. Uh, Google, for example, trading at about 6.5x. Uh, if we take Microsoft for an example, or for example, trading at about 7.6x. Um, Apple's trading at a trailing price-to-earnings ratio of about 18 times, while Microsoft's trading at a price-to-earnings uh, ratio of, of about 47 times. So, if we look at Apple relative to other technology names, it looks relatively attractive. However, since the company is so mature and you can't expect the type type of uh, exponential growth they've been experiencing do we value apple as a, a technology company anymore see and i think that's the biggest question right now is and i have jokingly made this reference now for probably the last five or six years nothing is that exciting when they release a new iphone or a new ipad um, the macbook looks the same as it did 12 years ago, mm-hmm. essentially, except it's a little thinner and the processor's better and, and generally it's a, it's a little bit better of an experience. But I, I do start to think of Apple as less of a technology company, um, much more of a content-oriented company potentially in the future and definitely a luxury brand company. So mm-hmm. 
Comparing it to Microsoft, uh, you know, that's that starts to, or especially Google, mm -hmm. it, it makes me a little bit nervous. Yeah, where where in the past, uh, uh, people that owned iPhones, uh, I was not one of those people. I must admit, but <laughs> yeah, neither of us are. Well, I used to be. Yeah, <laughs> I used, used to be. To be. Uh, yep. Another point, though, you're no longer an iPhone nope. user. Yep. So a lot of people are are making the the switch, and Apple's losing market share to a lot of uh, foreign competitors, which yep. is another point. But the people that do own iPhones, I don't think they feel at all compelled to upgrade their device. What's the point? Um, no. Maybe uh, 5G technology could spur an upgrade if uh, those new phones come with that capability, but the rumors are that they're not even going to put that technology into their uh, 2019 models. They're not even going to put it into their uh, iPhones until 2020. So. I, it's tough to foresee um, what could be a catalyst for the increase in the growth rate of their primary revenue driver. So then they have to lean on services, and yes, that has tremendous growth rate, but it's still a fraction of the overall revenue growth. So I guess time will tell with Apple, and we'll see what develops, but for those uh, that still own the stock, we might see some continued downward pressure but uh, I guess over the next two to three years, it, it's tough to see the, the stock continue to underperform the market. Yeah, I agree completely. And, and you know, I would also just point out to everybody, Grant and I have no idea what's going to happen this year, in the next two or three years. But when we look at something on a relative basis like Apple, you know, we think it could possibly outperform whatever those uh, market returns might be. You did mention that we are going to invest in a crystal ball. True. As soon as we find a good deal on Amazon, uh, that's our next purchase, actually. Maybe Black Friday. Yeah. We'll find one. Yeah. Next Thanksgiving. On that note, let's close the, uh, the podcast for today. I want to thank all our listeners for tuning in today and listening to our conversations about the stock market, financial planning, and everything in between. Uh, if you find these discussions interesting, please do not hesitate to go out to our website at www.nwpplan.com insights. And there you'll find plenty of valuable information about financial planning and the stock market. Jeff, anything you want to add there? No, until next time, uh, looking forward to all of the things in front of us in 2019. But best to you, Grant, and best to our audience. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. As a reminder, everything discussed in today's podcast is not intended to be investment advice or tax advice to any specific circumstance, and we would recommend that you speak to a tax professional or your investment professional about any questions that you might have related to your own situation. Noble Wealth Partners is not liable for any ambiguous or incorrect information that was mentioned in today's podcast.